Good afternoon, good night, good evening. If you're listening live, good morning. If you're listening another time, I don't know when you're listening, so good day. I am uh, excited, thrilled, and pleased to be able to kick right off with a couple of great guests. And these two guests are uh, now a veteran of ComedySchoolsRadio.com, Greg Morton. Greg, good morning. What's up? <laughs> that's my morning voice. I mean, and, that's the best I can do. And a man who uh, I only met once a long time ago, but we I kind of feel like we're best friends because we have all the same best friends. Jack Cohen. Jack, how are you? Good, good. Good to be here and uh, good to be referred to as a man, which means I'm <laughs> older than Greg. <laughs> Did I not call a Greg a man? No, but it's almost like when you call a woman a ma'am. You know, ma'am? Yeah, yeah. you said Greg, very funny guy, and then uh, this other man. Fella? Should I call uh, you a fella? No, I'm, I'm, I'm completely Sport? comfortable in my <laughs> eczema-ridden skin and... Uh, <laughs> Yes, I'm okay with being an old wrinkly little prick, but uh, Jack, you and I are the same age. Is that right? Well, yeah. there it is, Black. I think I'm. Older, I think I'm older. <laughs> you go, baby. I think I'm older than both of you. So um, well, I'm you, sixty. What do you want to pull You're it out right here? Old? I'm sixty years old, and all you right. still got all your hair, man. I was, I was enviously looking at your hair. You I gotta... leased it. It's it's all leased. Is that true? It's a, no, no, it's <laughs> oh, not true. Oh, I thought maybe you had something going on there. <laughs> That's all I got left, by the that way, is good. the hair. God bless you. When I die, I'll just there'll be a giant hairball. Everything yeah. else will have failed and shrunk, but the hair, <laughs> right. the hair will remain. Fun. You guys are at the uh, Laugh Factory, the Scottsdale Laugh Factory, ScottsdaleLaughFactory.com, uh, owned and ran by Paul and Paul, Paul Rodriguez and Paul Hop, right. who have brought Jamie Masada's Laugh Factory to the Valley of the Sun. You're there for two great shows tonight, two shows Saturday and one show Sunday. Uh, the start times uh, for the first show are 8 p.m. or is that correct? You don't know. No, I think it is eight. eight it is eight p.m. That's when I will be showing up. There, there has been a, um, uh, there has been a, uh, a movement, and many have resisted it. They have comedy shows start earlier and earlier. Oh, there's some cities where they start at six now or something. That's, That's ignorant. Right. That's yeah, ignorant. it's it's the graying of comedy. Uh, but the I, laugh gonna, I, I kind of like the idea. Then I could be home in bed by what time? I, <laughs> I kind of like that idea. I remember in Florida, I did this is a, a couple of years ago. I did a New Year's Eve show at four thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I hired Argus Hamilton once at a club I owned in Oklahoma City for Valentine's Day. We did five shows. Wow! Uh, starting the first one at noon, and the audience got progressively younger. With each, uh, with the first show at noon, uh-huh. where uh, uh, several people who uh, now are extras on The Walking Dead, wow, you know, and move forward. <laughs> but and, and Argus went up and did five great shows. I don't know if you know Argus, a great guy. So Greg, you uh, you were with us not too long ago. Just yeah, man, I was, ago. I was. I got uh, back by popular demand. Here I am. Yeah, I mean, you are you're one of the you're uh, you're one of their favorite comics over there. I know uh, from talking to Paul and. Talking to other people that saw your show, man, that they just really love it. Oh man, I love go- I love going to that club. It's great, you know, a great place to to work out and uh, your material. You work out? Do you lift weights on stage? Is that what you're doing? You are you pumping iron? Please look at me. <laughs> just just look at me for a moment. Well, you, you know, if you see I'm the, him, I, I'm the physical <laughs> iteration of your hair. <laughs> he is a uh, what he actually is is a medical experiment. Someone who takes steroids but then does no exercises. <laughs> He feels great, but doesn't really look that good. <laughs> Jack, I uh, uh, I used to see your name on the road uh, all the time, and then I think you uh, you landed a pretty good job for a number of years. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I uh, worked for Jay Leno for eighteen years. 
for uh, you were uh, you were the head writer at the Tonight I, Show. Or? I was the head writer the last five years. I yeah. was uh, fortunate enough to get the gig when the whole Conan and everything else went down, and it was completely terrifyingly stressful and horrible. And and um, yeah, that was me. I did the primetime show. Uh huh. You remember the one that I failed? Do. Um, the hist- the worst uh, primetime show in the history of television. I produced that, and. Uh, uh, giving you know people uh, have this impression of Jay, uh, w- whether it's uh, painted by him himself or somebody like Howard Stern that loves to act like he's a terrible person. Uh, while I was producing uh, and headwriting the the worst primetime show in the history of television, uh, we're about to get canceled, and Jay calls me to his garage, and uh, it's right Christmas time, and uh, he tells me we're going to film a, a bit for the show. I get there. And in the middle of his garage, in a spotlight, is a FJR thirteen hundred motorcycle, and he just turned, gave me the keys, and said, "Merry Christmas." So wow! That gives you an idea of what kind of guy he is. Well, I, wow. I've, I've never been in the uh, the anti Jay camp. I've always admired Jay greatly. Uh, uh, years ago, I mean, years ago, I was asleep uh, one morning, and uh, my wife at the time woke me up. And went, Jay Leno's on the phone. I went, "Shut up! No, he's not." She goes, "No, Jay Leno's on the phone." And I pick up the phone. And I'm not even going to put him down by doing a bad imitation of him. It was yeah. him on the phone going, someone uh, told me a joke that you wrote. I'd like to do it on The Tonight Show. This is when he was the guest host. Uh-huh. And he goes, if you've got any other stuff, send it to me. And for quite some time, I uh, wrote jokes and sent them to Jay. And um, uh, in the brief amount of time I spoke with him, it was probably one of the best writing classes I ever took. Uh-huh. As you explained to me why a joke would work one place and not another and how to do it. So I've never been in the anti-Jay camp. A lot of comics listen to this show. There's a, there's a huge uh, stand-up comedy community here in the greater Phoenix area. And um, um, even though it's a really live and vibrant community with a lot of very talented people, there's a lot of massive misinformation because <clears throat> they're just running. There's a lot of clubs in town. Right. So you got kind of uh, uh, opening act-itis where their goal is to be an opening act at one of the big clubs. And they mm-hmm. feel like they made it, but they get a lot of misinformation you were a writer on The Tonight Show. Right. And that entails a lot more than just uh, uh, coming up with extremely funny jokes. It entails knowing something about who you're writing for, what's going on. Can you tell us a little bit about that whole process and how it's different than going, sit in a hotel room, write a bunch of dick jokes to tell in a club in Ohio? Well, that's it, though. You got it. That's, <laughs> a, that's what it is, write a bunch of dick jokes and then uh, take the Ohio <laughs> off of it. <laughs> And uh, boom, you're off and running. Um, I wish I could open the golden box and give you the secret. Uh, yeah. What? Uh, I'm not I, looking for the secret. I'm looking for your process. Well, what you um, went through. When I, what, oddly enough, um, when I got the job, uh, I wrote jokes for the monologue, and um, I wrote jokes that I thought were funny, and I did okay. I, I didn't do great, and then I. I was watching those jaywalking segments, and I wanted to learn how to produce and edit and stuff like that, and I volunteered to go on those, and I ended up segueing into that. Oddly enough, I wasn't great at writing jokes for Jay. Um, The guys that are good at it, you know, I would write 20, maybe 30 jokes a day for Jay. Guys would write 50, 60 jokes, and they would just crank them out and be one right after the other, and oftentimes it would be the same joke but from a different angle every single time. And, and then they, you hand the jokes in to Jay, and you walk right in his office and give them to him. It's not like you have to go through anyone. Uh-huh. He marks them, and then you get it back. And you say, oh, I see he kind of likes this direction, this direction. He never told anyone ever, you know, I want a, a left-wing point of view about this topic. I want a right-wing. You know, he never mm-hmm. did that. He just looked at the joke, and if it felt funny to him, that's how he he did it, you know. And like I said, I never hooked in well with that. Other guys did, 
and I found a place uh, in other parts of the show to work. And then eventually what happened was uh, Jimmy Brogan left the show. Yeah. And he was Jay's first guy who Jay would bounce the jokes off of. And then he asked me to do it. And what I was pretty good at was hearing a joke and hearing Jay say it and determining whether I thought it would work or not. And ultimately, it's all guesswork. You know, we're just sure. all, you know, I think that'll work. And then when it didn't work, he'd look at me and I said, well, you said it wrong. <laughs> you know, we, uh, 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 we're pretty good friends. Uh, the show is, or I, I've interviewed many times, uh, John Melendez, uh-huh. okay, who, uh, for him, that show was heaven. It was, uh, even though he worked for Howard Stern for right. a long time, a lot of people think that's partially where the, the feud really got ratcheted up. Yeah, uh, yeah I would say for sure. But he described the atmosphere. You know, a lot of people... A lot of people watch TV or they watch movies and they think that's the way it is. And mm-hmm. for a certain segment of the population, the Gary Shandling show, which kind of showed a highly neurotic individual in uh, kind of a very in a very insecure work environment, right? Uh, uh, that they think that that's how talk shows work. And I never address, I never asked John this directly because he just said it was a great time. You know, he wished he could have done more. You know, he wanted to do more, but for whatever reason, that's. They, he did what they wanted him to do. Right. But did you find it to be the same sort of positive work environment? Did you love going to work every day? <laughs> or was it like any other job? You go, ah, I got to go in. I got to write jokes. Well, there is a, an element of that. Um, uh, when I was put in charge of the monologue, just worked on the monologue. I did that for like nine years before I got the head writer job. I just worked with Jay. And, uh-huh. and that was that was a really good gig. I didn't yeah. have to deal with anybody. And... Uh, and but I was um, a weird guy in that I was a comic, but I'm also very disciplined and, and you know always kind of fancied myself a coach. So you know the goal of becoming the head writer was always there, and I got it. And uh, it was hard. It was real hard. I got to tell you, there were times when I was in traffic and going, "Huh, thank God." <laughs> I, 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 I can relax here in traffic. No one's going to ask me a question. And and uh, it was it was really uh, work. You know, managing people and getting, you know, getting a show together every single day, having it all on you, no matter, no matter whether like the, like the writer would come up with a bit idea, we put it together, we'd, we'd have Jay do it, rehearse it. And then if it failed, that writer didn't get in trouble. And Jay was, it was, it was on me. And, sure. I, and I felt that pressure all the time. Uh, but in the end, uh, really well paid and uh, a lot of great people in retrospect. But when you're in it, and especially when we were going through all that stuff with Conan and stuff, people were attacking Jay's character and saying he's stealing this and that. It was really, really upsetting to me and hard at the time. But, um, again, like we were saying, uh, it's kind of early this morning to come here, but we, we weren't getting up to go lay tar today. We're coming yeah. in, you know. I, I, I beg to differ. I don't know if you see there's a roof right out here. <laughs> and uh, one of our deals with the Laugh Factory is we will have their comics on, but the the roof needs patching. Oh, damn it. I got to go. <laughs> but no. Uh, hot in here. So, yeah, it was uh, – it was um, – it, it wasn't the great, you know, oh, it's so much fun to be here. It was work. But uh, in the end, it was m- far more interesting and well-paying than anything I could have possibly imagined doing in my life. Was that kind of weird feeling, that, that uh, having that, uh, you know, managing different personalities? and Yeah, and especially since I had been there like 12 years. So people knew me and then, you know, like. Oh, I got they, it, It's just weird. I mean, it, it's interesting. It's like, hey, what are you I'm, doing? You're, I'm your buddy. Yeah, your wait, f- what happened? We used to get drunk <laughs> together. And I'm like, yeah, well. Yeah. Um, 
in charge now. That was then. This is now. Yeah. I worked on uh, Larry Sanders too. Oh, did you work on yeah, that show? Yeah, that's how I got my first writing job. I um, I I was working a club and Gary saw me and asked me to to um, write for him. And you couldn't be more right. I mean, I love Gary and I love Jay, but they couldn't be more po- uh, different. You know, I mean, Gary, I worked with him on the Emmys one time, and he and we went, worked on the monologue, and he goes out there and he delivers it, and, he, and it's great, you know? And he comes walking back, and I can't, for, for radio, I'll just say what happened as opposed to showing you, but he came back, and he was walking really slow, and then he dropped to one knee at a desk, and he put his forehead on the desk, like it was the worst thing that ever happened to him, the monologue. <laughs> you know? And um, Jay, even if it was a terrible monologue, he would be like shoving a slice of pizza in his mouth and drinking a cup. Okay, what do we got next? Let's go, let's go. What are we going to do? You know, where Gary would feel everything. Jay never felt anything. It, it, it was his, his, uh, his defining uh, character, especially like when things were really bad. There were times where I was frozen, like I didn't know what to do. And Jay's like, give me the next chance, give me the next chance. And he'd walk out there every single night. The show was failing. People were attacking us. And he'd just roll right into that monologue and start telling jokes and go forward. He just is really good at that. Well, oddly enough, I mean, throughout uh, from that point forward, once he went back to late night, they can see, uh, that show was consistently the, the higher-rated yes, show. Yes, And so people yeah. kept th- talking about it as a failure and yeah, not working, yeah, but yeah. it was the highest-rated show. Yeah. Uh, people, you uh, know the what, quality you, of the show was always great. You would forget until we went out of town and filmed something somewhere else, and Jay would get sworn. People just loved Jay Leno. You know, I tell uh, every comic that I know, uh, every young aspiring comic, I go, if you ever get a chance to see Jay Leno, uh, you'll see him, and then one of two things will happen. You will either become a better comic or you'll quit because you go, I can never do that. Uh-huh. I can never do. Right. Uh, there's there's a famous story. I won't say the comic's name, but they were, Jay was doing a college someplace. And the guys go, well, this is my neighborhood, Jay. I should headline. They were like co-headlining. Jay's going, well, huh? yeah, I was kind of a headliner. guy went, no, yeah, but this is my, you know, these are my people. And Jay went, well, okay, okay, all right. You, he goes, I'll go before you. And Jay went and did an hour and 45 minutes, <laughs> destroyed, and then walked off and looked at the guy and goes, all right, go ahead, have a good time. Because <laughs> the guy was being arrogant, going, you don't yeah. know these people. Yeah. Jay goes, what? No, I'm just saying I was high in yeah. the clothes. You know, that, yeah. and that he just joke after joke after yep. joke of, yep. of incredible high quality, yeah. you know, good stuff. And he's doing that now, too. You know, he's yeah. back out there working, and uh, um, I don't think I've seen him happier. To tell you the truth, he loves he loves tinkering with those cars, and he loves being out on the road telling jokes. Yeah, but of course now he has to really downsize his lifestyle. Yes, he's uh, <laughs> there's, no, there's no more eating out. Is he he brown bags it every day. Has he been hitting you up for a loan? Uh, he calls me and he says, "Look, you know, is it? no." <laughs> well, Jack, I just want to say I know that uh, that you have to go. Greg's going to stay with us. I know you yeah. have to go, and uh, we're just I'm so Man, happy I you love came this in. Conversation. Uh, there's a lot great. of comics whose careers because I, I I've I've always worked both sides of the street. Uh, my entire career and people who I hold met. Hold on, hold on. What does that mean? Uh, back. Well, <laughs> it means I'm a whore. I'm a whore. Uh, I, uh, I'm just. If that will help my hair stay healthy, I'm in. It's the, <laughs> the protean. Uh, I worked the back of the room and the front of the room, I similar gotcha. to what you did. Right. So, and I've always followed careers, and I had met you a long time ago, and always kind of knew about you, knew about your career, and I'm happy that you came in. We're pleased you came in, and I got a chance to, uh, you know, have this chat with you. Jack is at the Laugh Factory all weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, two shows tonight, two shows tomorrow, one show Sunday. You can find out all about these shows by going to scottsdalelaughfactory.com or going to our web, our uh, Facebook page, comedyschoolsradio.com. 
Uh, any parting thoughts? Uh, just that uh, last night, uh, I, I, I do a d- decent show. I tell some jokes, but this man here, he this delivers. Guy, yes. This guy works his ass off uh, on that stage. And, I don't know if you uh, saw it. I saw it, my friend, and uh, it is it is definitely worth coming out to see. Thank you so much. Well, we want to Thanks, thank Jeff. you for coming out. Greg, you're going to stick around, and uh, now you're going to actually be funny. And, uh, oh, that was evil. <laughs> that was an evil thing. I'm a bad person. I was being a I'm, nice to- I'm going to... I was that- now I got to call my sponsor. Oh, uh, you're terrible. Uh, no, and uh, uh, we will be back in a couple of minutes with Greg Martin on this American Podcast Comedy Edition on ComedySchoolsRadio.com. All right. Like a trailer by my baby. Lord, you know she coming around. Did you uh, did you do something weird to the music there? It just it just stopped all of a sudden. Okay, this is one of the most professional shows in all of professionalism. <laughs> Let me see. You're listening to this American podcast, Comedy Edition, on ComedySchoolsRadio.com. I'm Tony Visit coming to you high above Scottsdale at the second coolest corner in all of Scottsdaleville, Goldwater and Camelback. I am sitting here with the one, the only, uh, now becoming like uh, a regular a buddy, a regular friend, Greg Morton, who is at the Laugh Factory tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Pretty much. I deserve a raise. 
You do deserve a raise. Shirley, in your defense, I think the Doors ended the song that way. They just dropped the mic and walked off. First off, that wasn't the Doors. That was Gloria. That was Gloria. That was uh, them. Them. That was the original. Van Morrison. Van Morrison's first band. And um, also in Shirley's defense, she uh, created this entire thing without ever having created anything like this before. And so she's created the entire station, and then I just get to talk on it. And uh, so if there are any glitches at all, it's still a, it's, it's a miracle that we're on. Because if it was up to me, I would be broadcasting this with a megaphone off the roof. <laughs> off the roof, which you and I have to go patch later I know, on. I, I know, I know. I'm really kind of new to this whole thing, too, this podcasting. I would have set something like this up here yeah. at my at my house because I love that. You know, just have people come in and just, it's fun, right? You know what it is? Yeah. A, a lot of people do uh, this type of thing from their house, you know, and yeah. uh, and we have done uh, shows uh, from our house. We've done shows from people's houses. They didn't know we were in there. We just kind of went in. <laughs> and we, we wanted to talk to, we said, can we just show you what our carpet cleaner will do? And we throw some dirt on their carpet. And while Rob was then showing them to the Rob the intern, say hello, Rob. Hello. There we go. While Rob the intern was cleaning, uh, Shirley and I would run upstairs and podcast in their bedroom, which is what you do when you get to a certain point in life in people's bedrooms. Now, this is an odd intern choice. Don't Why we? is Rob an odd intern choice? Well, not because he, no, not Rob personally. You're not an odd intern. He I mean, is an odd choice. intern. Choice. I'm just saying his <laughs> choice as an intern. I, I'm, I'm going to intern for a podcast. I'm just. Wa- mm-hmm. I'm just wondering what. Where, where's your direction? Where are you going with this? Uh, What's your career direction here? <laughs> I mean, I, I I agree with starting at the bottom, but this is kind of a sub basement bottom. Why would you intern for a, for a podcast? Where are you going in your? What was your major? Uh, communications. You barely said three words to me since I got in here. You said, uh, 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 what's, what's, your, I, what's your name? I had to ask you your name for crying out loud. And you're in communications. You, uh, right away, you should have launched into your communication shtick. And you should have practiced that so you could get out of this sub-basement level thing that you're in. I don't know what you're interning for. And you're, what's the next level? Oh, maybe I'll intern for the, uh, I don't know, the mic job at the uh, Burger King, you know, at the drive-thru. I'm still communicating, so I'm still in the business, guys. Do you want fries with that? It's still working. But I just want to know where you're going. I'm really concerned about what's your direction. Have you have you mapped anything out at all? He, look at he. Every time I ask him a question, he won't answer it. <laughs> Where, where are you going? Uh, hopefully more in the digital. What do you space. mean, hopefully? <laughs> hopefully more in the digital. So you want to be replaced by the digital media. That'd be awesome. <laughs> as long as I still get paid. <laughs> paid? What do you see yourself in five years? What's your favorite color? I'm going to go purple. Why did you answer the second question first? No, but let's. Let, where, where do you see yourself going with this, Rob? Um, hopefully, uh, creating content and managing things for companies that I'm passionate about. Okay, now what what content have you created so far? Uh, I've had a very successful. Uh, successful. Successful. This guy. Okay, keep going. Uh, YouTube channel. Yes. How many hits? Uh, over four million. On what? Uh, a basketball league. 
on a ba- you, what you just you recorded the basketball games yep. and then you put them up on YouTube. Yep. It's <laughs> been on ESPN, uh, NBC Sports. Why is it? Why was it on ESPN? They had nothing at that. Because point. it's a ridiculous concept. Okay, what well, was the concept of this? It's show? a mini basketball. Mini basketball. Yeah, we play with a you, with really short people. No, with uh with regular sized people. On with smaller balls. A uh, smaller ball and an eight and a half foot hoop. And an eight and a half foot hoop. All right. All right, I'll go. I'll go. You, you feeling kind of bad now, no, Greg? No, no, no. You're, you're, you're ripping into well, no, the guys. No, no, I'm, no, I'm kind no, of. No, I get this all the time. I'm kind of million hits. I'm kind of confused. Well, if Four I Four million look, hits. Look, if I were. <laughs> <laughs> look, if I were Rob's dad, these are the kinds of questions I would ask. You would. You're asking, like, dad I, questions. I, I, I would. I would, like, I, I, I'd be worried about You know, you're actually. Pro- I'd be worried about him sleeping at my house for the next 25 years. Rob, are you going home for Thanksgiving or Christmas? Uh, Christmas. Christmas, because these are the kind of questions you'll probably get from some family member. I think what Mr. Morton, and in this case we call him Mr. Morton, is doing is prepping you for yeah. what you, as a 26-year-old man, will have to deal with when you go home. And your father's looking at you as he's carving the turkey, and you go, and he's going to use that knife on me. Kid- <laughs> <laughs> These kids have no direction today. They, they just make up their own jobs. My dad never gave me a lot of great advice. Did your dad give you great advice, Greg, about anything? He told me not to work where he worked. Yeah. That was the best advice he'd ever given me, really. Yeah. My, he my says, dad, you're not going to like it. Yeah, you don't want to. I don't want you in a factory, Tony. That's what he did, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Me too. Yeah. And now you realize for both of us, if we had gone to work at a factory, we'd be retired right now with a good pension plan. <laughs> probably, and we'd probably have like a lake house someplace, a little bass boat. We'd be happy. But, well, uh, you know, actually, I think about it, yet yeah, you're probably right, because we'd be getting out just at the right time. Getting out at the right time, yeah. You know, because all of the factories, what, in the last five, ten years, they've they've left. Well, it was already gone for us by the time, you know, by the time yeah. we were graduating from high school or college, that life well, it was that starting our, our to father go. said it was starting, starting to go, go away, yeah. Yeah. Started to go but away. But your dad made it to retirement, though, didn't he? My dad, no, he didn't. My dad, uh, he worked at a place in St. Louis, Missouri called Carter Carburetor, that was one of the... Places that closed in the early early seventies, uh, as that as that pullback and the automotive industry began, he worked at Chrysler. He uh, became a real estate sale. He was a bouncer in a bar for a while. He went through a tough period in the early seventies, mm-hmm. as as all that was going on. You get hired by Chrysler, but then laid off. They were still the big plant, and then um, and then he inherited a million bucks. So, wow. um, um, and because of taxes at the time, it was it ended up being six hundred and seventy five thousand. And he immediately put it in the stock market and tripled it. So um, he had a rough life, my dad. Um, But, yeah, the factory jobs were gone. But as far as advice, uh, like as far as like uh, the sex talk, uh, I think when I was 15, one time he grabbed me and pulled me around the hallway and goes, you know about all this with girls and stuff, right? And (laughs) and and I'm 15, you know, during during the the fast times of the the early 70s, late 60s. And I go, yeah. And he goes, just don't get them pregnant. Right. <laughs> and that was it. That was always a speech, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't get Me them too. pregnant. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, they never they never, never said to us, now, look, this is an important thing. You don't realize how important it is. And later on in life, you, you want to find someone who you can grow with in life and stuff. Right. And they never said, and don't be having a lot of premarital sex. They don't get them pregnant. That was it. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So well, you have you, to you have to be direct when they're that age. Yeah. Because they don't really absorb anything. They go, huh, what were you saying? Yeah. They don't really, you know. Yeah. Well, what they were saying is make sure that someone else doesn't absorb anything. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you know about like pulling out and stuff, right? <laughs> Wish my father had said something. We wouldn't have had That's your youngest brother. I tell you that if I knew what the hell I was doing. <laughs> we used to make our own porn when I was a kid. You made your own porn. Yeah, we would uh, like get the Christmas catalogs. We'd go to the bra section, the brassiere section. Yeah, and you know I had an art art background. All of us, us did uh, my little circle of friends. Yeah, and uh, we would erase the brassieres with an eraser. <laughs> And then draw in the nipples <laughs> yeah, in, in pencil. Yeah. And you do a really nice sketch job. And Was there always like one kid, kid, weird kid that kept drawing like a beard and mustache on the girls going, I prefer it like this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but I just, I prefer it like this. <laughs> well, that would that later became a life choice, didn't it? it really... A girl came along, kept drawing like flannel shirts on the girls. Going, I, I prefer it like this. This is, it's my choice. Erasing half of the hair, yeah, yeah. putting a volleyball coat, yeah, put a little head. cigarette in the side of her mouth, <laughs> sleeves rolled up, Birkenstocks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that probably the most fa- the most favorite male actor of all gay women yeah. is probably Emilio Estevez because he looks like Katie Lang. <laughs> <laughs> Who came first, Katie Lang or Emilio Estevez? That would be the Emilio. Emilio, yeah, he came first, yeah. I mean, yeah, for in popularity, right? Popularity, yeah. I would say. I used to drink with his father. Really? Yeah, that's as far as I got career-wise. I drank with a lot of famous people, but then I go, I have a partner. Go, no, you're a drunk. You are too. Yeah, but you got a problem. I used to drink with him at a place called the Rain Check. He was giving you advice. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) You have no career. You're a great drinker, but you have no career. See, this is how Rob is absorbing all of this conversation. You notice this, right? <laughs> Martin uh, Sheen and I used to get drunk. It wasn't like we went there together, but I hung out in a bar that he hung out in Santa Monica Boulevard. And uh, how, much, and, how much would you drink? Like, what? I uh, Well, um, I was. Uh, here's the funny thing is I still don't believe. When I look back on it, I go, I've got to be exaggerating. Mm-hmm. But then I talked to the few people that I still know from those days, and I was not... A, I, when I quit, I was averaging about a fifth a day, mm-hmm. you know, and about an eight ball a day. So I was living on Hollywood Boulevard. And if you if you if you're gonna waste your twenties and you want to do it and do it and do it well, uh, Hollywood Boulevard is the place to do it. I would drink about a fifth of whiskey a day and uh, about an eight ball a day on a regular basis. Okay. I would collapse for like a day or two, mm-hmm. you know, and then come to and then go have some ribs and go. I'm better now. <laughs> <laughs> There was a place on way at, at, at Hollywood Boulevard at the past Western Avenue called Brosa Chica a Pizza Supreme. And I think that's how the... What, say it again? A Brosa Chica a Pizza Supreme. That's what you called. And they, they delivered ribs, which I found fascinating. So that, this is an Asian rib place? To the back, I never saw place? the people, nor did I see the delivery guy, because I would just shove the money out of the, under the door and then my ribs uh-huh. would be sitting there. So I never saw people. But uh, I would finally collapse after going to like a three-day, you know, Bacchanal. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'd come to, and I'd, I'd, I'd open up one eye at a time to see if I still had a contact lens in. Mm-hmm. And then I would call a brosa checa, a pizza supreme, and I'd order ribs, and I'd eat ribs and uh, have a Diet Coke and go, oh, I'm better now, and uh, kick it back into gear. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when did you uh, when did you hit the wall? Uh, March of in the well, year last of, year. Yeah, last year. <laughs> the year of our Lord, 1985. 1985. March yeah. of 1985, yeah. yeah. And then 
later on that spring or summer. Uh, well, I'm supposed to be interviewing you. Wait, <laughs> hey, don't you love <laughs> how I turned this around? You did. I'm quite skillful at it. You are. I should have my own podcast. You know you. I'd have my own mini basketball team, but that's a lot of work. <laughs> that's just you way should. too much work You for should me. have your own podcast. You truly should. You know, I mean, I know you're you you're you're on There's the road of, quite a bit, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah. What do you what do you what do you call home now when you're not on the road? Ah, oh, where do I call home? Let me think about that. Uh, other than when I'm at home, what do I call home? <laughs> like, is that what you're saying? Or oh, oh, where do I live? Where do you live? Oh, there you go. If you put it simply, I brought a chicken pizza supreme. <laughs> <laughs> you want ribs? <laughs> Wherever I wake up, yeah. <laughs> Wherever I hang my hat. <laughs> but if I find my boots on the floor, I go, I'm home, Daddy. Daddy's home. Here's my boots. Where, <laughs> yeah. Where, do you have, where do you, as they would ask you in a deposition. Sorry. <laughs> where do you receive your mail? Oh, okay. I, uh, Toronto. I live in uh, Toronto, Canada. You live in Toronto? Yeah. Okay. All right. And how often are you home? Because you travel quite a bit. I, uh, ooh, I try to get home at least once a week, see if my wife's still there. Yeah? And then I go, and then I go back out on the road there. You've been married for quite some time now, right? Thirty years as of next year. Thirty years, of, and and it and it and it's worked. I haven't hit the wall yet. You haven't hit the wall. Is that what you mean? No, no, because I have. A, do you think if you decided not to go on the road, let's say you decided to write a book, okay? Are you, <laughs> could you, could you pick something else, please? <laughs> let's say you decided to hire someone who could type and create paragraphs. And okay. you talk to them, yeah. and you decide to write a book. Are you going to write a screenplay? Okay. Are you got some uh, gig in town? All right. Okay. Do you think that that would put a strain on the marriage if you were home every day and every oh, night? I, I see where you're going with it. I don't know. Um, you know, I really, I really enjoy my wife. Like, I really enjoy my time at home with my wife. Yeah. Like, it, it is so great. And I'm not just saying that. I was saying, I said that the other day. Uh, in the green room, and the, and uh, I said, "Oh my God!" I because uh, I'd been on the road for two weeks in a row, and I never do two weeks in a row. No, oh, okay. And okay. I said to my wife, I, I said to the guys, I go like, "Wow, I can't wait to get home and see my wife." And uh, and the court comic goes like, "Wow, I'm just not used to hearing that." <laughs> and I didn't realize that, but I really, I really do. I really enjoy it. Our time together. I think we're really real soulmates, and I think we. Uh, we have a lot of common interest, and we talk about a lot of different similar things. Like she's an artist; uh, uh, she does uh, abstract painting at, at home, and I have an art background as well. Mm-hmm. And we have a we have a lot of interest in current events and different things, and just the creative and the spiritual process of life. And so we ha- often have these great discussions. And I've had, we've had people come up to us in restaurants and go like, "Oh my God." That was so interesting, listening to hear your conversation, <laughs> overhearing your conversation. Because, you know, usually people just go, blah, 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 and then she said, and then he said, and blah, 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 blah. And it's just drivel. It's just garbage. Yeah. You know, but we're always talking about, like, well, what are we going to do? What's our spiritual path? And what's what do you think this is all about? And what can we learn from this? And and just kind of picking it all apart, you know? It's a spiritual journey, right? Did you guys meet at like a Coke party or? No, we met at a. <laughs> <laughs> You're really cute. You're cute too. <laughs> and, and it we, turned and into then this. Pass out. Let's go get some ribs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, so check out a piece of supreme. <laughs> you want a ribs? <laughs> Half slab, full slab. What do you want? <laughs> 
Hey, didn't you it's kill funny my because uncle? we're going for some ribs today. Are you Paul going for ribs? I, yeah, Paul. It's where Paul. did you meet your wife? Me. I, in a bar. In a bar? Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's where people met back 30, 40 years Wasn't ago. Wasn't even expecting it. Yeah. You can't look, right? Well, it was a gay bar, right? So that's what was confusing <laughs> about it. She was a woman. That's why I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> how about you? How about you, Rob? Have you uh, met anybody at all? I have not. You know what? This communication thing, it's not... <laughs> I don't even think it's working out for you. But you... you well, you, Rob's from Vermont, so I don't know if that... Oh, explain, I love you're, Vermont. You're from Toronto, which has proximity to Vermont. Pro- Perhaps oh. you could explain Rob to me, because I can't quite figure him out. Well, uh, he's all about the health care. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just, uh, I love Vermont. That is a great place, yeah. man. What a, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, my The gosh. only thing that most people know about Vermont, if, if they know anything at all, mm-hmm. is that um, it was a place you could win in play a Monopoly, okay, Vermont Avenue. <laughs> if you're of a certain age, you know that there was a uh, Tin Pan Alley song called Moonlight in Vermont. Uh-huh. Okay, and uh, I believe Bernie Sanders. Yep. Bernie Sanders, and what we're going to do is we're going to change it so for the whole country. Oh, if you're doing Bernie Sanders, you've got to talk <laughs> here. It's like a very slow down Jackie Mason. That's that's Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Rob, are you a Bernie Sanders supporter? I'm not. You're not. No, no. See, I've you a gun toting liberal. <laughs> what the heck's going on here? <laughs> I'm learning more about. We my- need more health care around here. Sitting around here, boss. Who, who's nope. the other senator from Vermont? We only know Leahy. Leahy. Oh, okay. Oh, Leahy. yeah, that's right. The that's Deadhead. Right. Yeah, Patrick yeah. Leahy. You're absolutely is a uh, is a big uh, Grateful Dead fan. As is uh, Bill Walton, the basketball player. Uh, the last day, Shirley and I went to see the Dead in uh, outside of San Francisco in April, and Bill Walton was there, and there's picture of him just totally blissed out. Just I don't know what he was doing, <laughs> but just I, I know that look. And you don't have that look because you had a donut and coffee and you're a little jacked up. Sure. So we have sure. no idea. And now his son right now is the interim coach for um, uh, uh, the Golden State Warriors, who I hate with a passion. Because you, oh, you're not. That's not your. Well, no, of course, it's, LA, why would it be your I'm team? I'm an LA Clippers. Fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Toronto has a good basketball team right now. Oh man, the Raptors are heating it up, bro. Who's I don't very you, good. No one had their eye on the Raptors this season. No one no. was looking at them. Not Everybody, even not even Toronto fans had their eyes <laughs> on the Raptors. Are you kidding me? And then they did, they did so well. I had to jump off the bandwagon just so I could get back on. Yeah, that's how many people were on the the Raptors bandwagon. But and, I think it's great. You know what it, what it is is there are a lot of re- really young. Uh, they have a lot of really young fans. Like uh, Toronto is a very diverse city, ethnically, and uh, great subway system. Oh well, it's, or it was. It's, it's getting there. Yeah, it's okay. getting there. All right. I okay. mean, uh, there's some work to be done. Okay. There. But uh, I, I was there a long time ago, and I had just come from New York, uh-huh. and it was when New York subway system was in somewhat disrepair. And, well, when uh, were you in New York? This was like in the '80s. This was pre. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is pre, you know, Brat and Giuliani, pre, you know, rehab in Times Square. And I just come from, you know, going, I, every time I was in the subway thing, I'm going to fist fight or get addicted to something. Uh, <laughs> getting in, in, going to Toronto in the subway was clean and people were friendly. And it was, That's true. I did notice that. Yeah. 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 You ever get lost on the, uh, on the, uh, in the New York subway? Oh, God, I, yes. Me too. Like horribly lost. Yeah. One time I ended up in Brooklyn. I had no idea where I was. <laughs> you know, I came out and I, and I, I walked down this alley. I saw this rat. It looked as, it was the size of a house cat, and it was just hobbling down this. 
it was it freaked me the hell out. I get down there and I go like, I'm just gonna get a cab and get yeah. back to Manhattan because this is not working. Because <laughs> you know, every time I would get on a subway car, it would shut down. Yeah. For repairs. Yeah. And I go like, I can't sit here all night. I got to get home. Yeah. Like, like I'm thinking like Manhattan is safety. I got to get to the island, you know. So, so I'm, so I'm going. I go like, I, I, so I'm standing on the side of the road. No cab will pick me up. Oh, I got, I got, I got this figured out. I'm black. They're not going to pick me up. I'll just wait here. Eventually, I'll get a cab driver. That you know what I mean? Yeah. Then I go like, well, I'll go to the other side of the of the road. See if that makes a difference. And it turned out that was my problem. I was standing on the wrong side of the road. People thought I was going into Brooklyn and not out of Brooklyn. And that's why they wouldn't pick me up. That is the title of your autobiography. <laughs> the wrong side of the road. The Greg Morton story. <laughs> Maybe I should write that. You should write that. You should write that. My whole life has been a, a series of experiences like that. I want to I be looking through some e-books one day or digital books and go, what, what the hell? The wrong side, Greg. Oh, that would that would make me that would make me happy as hell, buddy. We got to wrap up. I am uh, uh, truly oh, sorry to say that, but we are. I so, always enjoyed talking to you, man. Uh, we we're so glad you're here. Uh, we're talking with Greg Morton, who is headlining the Laugh Factory along with a very funny Jack Cohen. But he's headlining Paul and Paul's Club, the Scottsdale Laugh Factory. ScottsdaleLaughFactory.com. It's at the coolest corner in all of Scottsdaleville, Scottsdale and Shea, seven thousand East Shea Boulevard. If you have not been to this club, I urge you to go check it out. There's plenty of uh, comedy choices in the greater Phoenix area. Uh, this is one of our favorite. We'll be there Sunday afternoon uh, with a little improv workshop, and we're going to try to stop down either uh, tonight or tomorrow night and catch your show, my friend. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I love it. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, we excited. will be back in just a couple of minutes. You are listening to This American Podcast Comedy Edition on ComedySchoolsRadio.com. How lucky can one guy be? I kissed her and she kissed me Like the fella once said Ain't that a kick in the head? 